Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Wooldridge, and today I have a very special guest with me, Miss Ashley V. Robinson. Ashley, say hi to the boys and girls at home. Hi, boys, girls, everybody in between. I love you all. You're beautiful, sexy people. Thank you for listening. So for those at home, um, you've been on the show before, and uh, uh, you and Jason are, are friends of the show. We've been on Geek History Lesson, all that jazz. But just in case yes. the listeners at home are not familiar with you, uh, who are you? Where can they find you? What are you working on that they should check out? Oh, I'm a tiny hobbit person who lives in Southern California. Uh, DJ is like a tall counterpart to my smallness. <laughs> I am the co-host of the Geek History Lesson podcast. Like DJ mentioned, he has been on several many times. You're one of our most returningest guests that we've ever had. And I am the co-creator and co-writer of Ringo-nominated Jupiter Jet. And we have a second volume called Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio coming out in just a couple weeks. Uh, and then I am also the co-creator and co-writer of Science, the Elements of Dark Energy. Uh, which is currently nominated for a Ringo Award. We're going to lose to Raina Telgemeier, but that's okay because she's amazing. Just happy to be considered in her company. Uh, I'm an actor and a host in LA, so you can just consider me a dilettante. And if you're a business who is consulting Twitter marketing, uh, check out the podcast page because I am the face of that right now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Very cool. So let's uh, talk about Jupiter Jet. That Jupiter Jet is coming soon. Obviously, a lot of the uh, uh, comic industry is in flux, I think it's fair to yes. say. But that's that should be is, what is the current date that people should be able if they didn't contribute to the campaign should be able yes. to get their hot little hands on that so as of right now and this all comes with that big asterisk of like covid mm -hmm. times what is shipping diamond is burning down the industry all that will all there be of, a post office good all good questions to have truly <laughs> uh right now the cover release date is october 28th so just the end of this month which means foc is next week which is very exciting so if you haven't ordered now is actually like the perfect time to go ahead and order that and i know you might be listening to this and saying i didn't read volume one i don't know if i want to jump into volume two and i would just love to tell you that we do design these books to be like indiana jones or adventure serials if you have read the first volume you will get a lot more out of it you'll see how characters bloom and grow and kiss more people than they did in volume one but you can totally dive in and just get the mythology of the world all you need to know is our hero is a 17 year old redhead with the jetpack that's, Love it. that's the that's the base landing <laughs> I, I like that um way of formatting stuff too where it's it, it goes back to even even old tv shows like um uh you know because there, there's this there's this thin line between making something that literally the same plot happens every week so you could literally mm -hmm. like check out any episode but also progressing stuff but in a way that people are able to like get the gist like you're able to get get the pieces and i think that's a, a really uh cool way to format stuff and also i think it should be worth mentioning people can get their hands on volume one right you can. Volume 1 is available on Amazon, Walmart, Target, anywhere fine bookstores are had. It's super cheap on Comixology. I think it's $5.99 for 127 pages of content. Uh, if you want a signed version, if you love the sound of my voice, uh, or if you're a fan, uh, we have them signed at jasoninman.com slash, ooh, I don't know if it's store or shop. One of those on right. Jason's official website. Yeah. <laughs> Try both. I'm sure if you go to the website, there'll be a little button that says store or shop. And yeah, you can I'll click on here. that. Buy here. Something. You'll be able to find it. But uh, go check that out because there's no reason you can't check out volume one before volume two comes out before you're able exactly. to get it. Exactly. And maybe. then see how much better volume two is. Yeah. And then maybe pick up science too. Maybe yes. it's a connected universe. I can't confirm or deny that, but it might be worth picking up just to see. 
There's definitely uh, shared Easter eggs between the two of them. Love and there's it. Two, there's a jetpack in each of them. So it's like it's like Pixar rules where it's like we acknowledge these, those same ball will show up. Very that, but yeah. different publishers, you know? So you're like, ooh, how much can I get away with? <laughs> how much will they let me get away with? Well, um, we're going to be talking more in this episode about uh, teen superheroes because the last time I was on your show, um, you asp- uh, I, uh, I don't know when that episode comes out, but you also you espoused your love for Teen Titans and yes. Tim Drake. Uh, you're yes. a very vocal fan of those things. Um, yes. And I thought since Jupiter Jet is a young superhero, this might be a good opportunity to talk about that. And there is some uh, serendipitous news in the superhero universe that ties into what we're talking about which is great but we're going to get in that in a minute uh, every episode we'd like to start off with what are you into this week is there a show or or movie or music you're listening to something that you're into that you'd like to share with everybody at home Totally. So it is officially Spooktober. I'm very here for it. Uh, and I like to use this time of the year to watch scary movies during the day because uh, your girl's afraid of the dark. And I love all things witchy. If there is a witch in it, I am here for it. I really enjoy that paradigm of powerful women in magic. And so I watched yesterday a 2020 release that actually made it into the cinema, uh, Gretel and Hansel. Starring, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hopefully future Jupiter Jet Sophia Lillis and also the Borg Queen herself, Alice Kriege, as the witch. She's so good and so scary. And it's such an interesting movie because I feel like if it had been produced by A24, everybody would have like fallen over themselves with how great it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wasn't. Uh, But it's a $5 million movie with three actors that basically shoots on a soundstage and then out in the woods. And I'm very over dark fairy tales, dark versions of fairy, like that Jeremy Renner uh, Hansel and Gretel witch hunters I was not into so I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one hot take uh, not into the Jeremy Renner Hansel and Gretel movie yeah I mean I would say hot take not into Jeremy Renner as a human being <laughs> at this point but yeah. we yeah, but Gretel and Hansel actually that was like really good it's too bad it got released in January like it could not have been a worse market for it but yeah. if you have like $5.99 that you're willing to crush in Spooktober it's definitely worth it it's way way better than I thought it did and then as filmmakers and creatives I think it's really inspiring in terms of what you can do because it's really beautiful and I think the DP does a good job at hiding the budget restrictions so very cool I don't know if that's interesting to anyone who doesn't work in film but I thought it was like a masterpiece and how to make a movie efficiently yeah it's always really impressive when you see something like that I will say there is part of me I guess the jealous part of me that whenever I see something that that really elegantly uses its spare budget in a smart ways I, I get like a little like ah. there, there's there's a there's a, a movie that uh Sam saw at Fantastic Fest a couple years ago that he loved that he had me watch it's it's a Japanese film called Five Foot Ball and Soul and it takes mm-hmm. place with like five actors in like a shed and it's and it's mm-hmm. really good and it's one of those like damn it you figured it out like you, this is such a great <laughs> why didn't I come up with this idea it's such a good idea that you could make for so little money because I don't know about you whenever I sit down and I'm like I'm gonna write something that's cheap to make it's not by the time I'm done no <laughs> never uh another great example of that is the exorcism of Emily Rose basically mm-hmm. takes place in one location and a car yeah and you're like oh and it's like legitimately scary and very moody and very cool yeah no uh I'm working on a pilot right now and I'm like how do I have this all take place inside mm-hmm. <laughs> Or uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane is like another great example. It's like one set and then they're outside for a couple scenes. Also, one of my favorite twists in a movie. Like the the reveal in that movie, I'm like, this is great. What a... (laughs) 
what a good way to to kind of uh, expand your premise. I think that's great. I, do you have anything on the docket um, for your Spooktober, like like uh, coming soon for you? Like you're going to check out. So today I started and did not finish because I came here. Uh, last year's remake of Pet Cemetery. Okay. Just because I liked in the trailer where everyone was wearing the like pagan animal mask. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that seems witchy. I'll watch this. Yeah. Uh, John Lithgow's in it. So I'm definitely in for the end. Um, I don't know anything about Pet Cemetery except, you know, pets come back to life. Indian burial ground. Kind of problematic that a white guy wrote that. Mm-hmm. That's all that I know about it. Uh, 25 minutes in. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to hit Trick or Treat because I've never seen Trick or Treat right. and VHS. Those are like my next two that are coming up. Well, I'm, I am interested to hear your thoughts on Pet Cemetery. I was not a fan. Um, <laughs> I, Were you a fan of the OG? Uh, you know what's funny about the OG one is it's it's so insane that it that it kind <laughs> of it, it does work and also um wow i completely forgot my criticism for that i've literally blocked the new one out of my brain um <laughs> but yeah i actually think the og one in its in, even though it's like very much feels like a tv movie mm-hmm. uh is is more engaging than the than the new one is and it's so weird how stephen king adaptations can be so hit or miss Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's the Denise. The Denise Crosby's in that, right? Uh, I think the original so. movie. Yeah, that's I believe what she so. left TNG for to go be a movie star. <laughs> Whoops. We're like, oh no, Tasha, the garbage bag. Look out. Oh yeah. Oh no. Well, you know, best laid plans. Uh, but I am excited for you to dive in VHS, and if you get a chance to check out VHS two. Um, there's a sequence in that one of the shorts in that is directed by the guy that directed the raid movies. Um, oh, I love the raid. The raid is great. Uh, this is very different than that in that it's a horror thing. However, mm. it is, it is one of my favorite horror shorts I've ever seen. And it's sense of escalation. Like it starts off with a general, uh, a, a pretty like, Oh, this is a good creepy setup, but the way it continues to escalate the premise is bananas. So I, I highly recommend VHS two. VHS one is good. VHS two is really good. Cool. I'm going to do a double feature. Then. As, as far you. as my recommendations go. So for me, uh, I've been checking out a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I've been checking out um, Cobra Kai on Netflix, uh, which has been an experience. So you're the reason it's getting another season? I'm the reason it's getting another season. <laughs> I, I it, it is an interesting experience. I'm going to dive more into Cobra Kai once I finished it. I only just finished season one. Uh, but it, it is it is it's because a lot of people, I don't know about you, but a lot of my friends online have been like, it's so good. And then you watch, you're like, well, it's good. But even the fact that it's good is like a minor miracle because the it, it, the idea of doing a Karate Kid sequel thirty years later is the is the worst idea. Starring not the Karate Kid. Yeah, so it's <laughs> the sweep the leg guy. <laughs> but 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 it, it's 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 proving to be significantly better than I expected. But I also and I've also been checking out Raised by Wolves, which is nuts. Um, but the thing I want to talk about is the South Park South Park pandemic special. My wife and I uh, saw that on HBO Max, uh, and so we we sat down and we watched it. Uh, and it, uh, it, South Park tackles the pan- pandemic the way you expect uh, South Park to. Although I will say, um, on the one hand, their explanation for the creation of the virus is possibly the, one of the grossest things I've, I've seen this year. Uh, oh boy. But w- one of the things, I'm a fan of South Park. Uh, you know, it's obviously hit or miss. It's it's literally like just 10 years old. I mean, it's like 20, it's been over 20 seasons of, of content. And, and like a lot of shows that are long in the tooth, it can be kind of hit or miss. But something that has kind of felt uh, significantly dated, specifically in the last four years, is the, their stance that kind of like, 
aren't both sides bad is all both sides are bad and -hmm. this special does not take that stance it it very much has a perspective on trump and what he's doing uh that it's one of those that it's so true that it hurts like just interesting yeah somebody (laughs) just coming out and saying like uh what what you imagine is going on in in that uh adult brain uh is like well yeah i mean yeah that's that's probably but like they literally get everything in there uh the the situations with uh police brutality and the protests with that um and uh what's really interesting is uh kind of stan's arc in it where he's busy trying to help other people and what starts becoming more and more clear is that uh, Stan's not doing so great and he doesn't really have the tools to communicate that to people mm-hmm. and I I really related to that because uh, <laughs> you know as things started I already worked from home I even mm-hmm. cut my own hair like I really my, my life <laughs> wasn't that upended I haven't had a haircut this year. It's crazy. Yeah, like like I I of people I am I am in a I'm in a very good position to deal with this. And so it took me longer to realize that I was not doing okay. Like it 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 it, it kind of like came to me by surprise. Like oh, I'm kind of unraveling. Like I didn't realize it, but I'm I'm kind of not doing all right. And so Stan, uh, Stan is dealing with a similar situation. So if you're okay with the incredibly blue humor, it, I mean South Park, South Park. You know what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, if you're into that, I do recommend the special to the point that I kind of almost want to say, like, maybe you all should stop doing like seasons and just do special like once a quarter, do a special. And that's how South Park continues, because you're able to condense all your good jokes into one 40 minute thing. Interesting. That's something that I I loved South Park, especially when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like I really loved it. And back in those days, kids, we didn't have cool merchandise like they have now. I would have <laughs> bought everything that they have now. Uh, and then I fell off it. But that's the thing I saw that on HBO Max as well that I've been considering going to revisit South Park for. So if you say yeah. it's good, I think we'll check it out. I recommend it. Yeah. If you if you were a South Park fan in the past, I think this is a good one. Uh, and they and like you said, things have like you're talking about with Jupiter jet where they, they kind of let you in enough on how things have changed. Yeah. Uh, Cause in the past couple seasons, they've kind of switched up uh, like Randy uh, grows weed now. Like, and that's, that's a key component of the plot, but they, they inform that's cool. you. That, that feels correct to me. Mm-hmm. Randy, <laughs> Ra- uh, Randy gets some really solid moments with, with his, um, his inept selfishness, but, yes. it, but not, but not like it's not malicious. He just, he's just not a very good person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and Cartman gets a, a, a lot of solid moments because he loves quarantine. He's able to scam his way out of school and do whatever he wants. I was going to say, is 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 he the one who doesn't wear his mask? Uh, well, they get a lot of solid mask jokes with people wearing it on their chins. Like half the people are always wearing it on their chins. Uh, I will say, Cartman has a stick with a little flag at the end that says six feet. And then when he's walking down the street, he just pushes people away with the stick. And I'm like, that's actually a solid idea. That's my dream, to be honest. <laughs> I don't normally look at Cartman and think like, oh, that's a good idea. That's when it's like, I, you know what, I might take that. Because there's some people that just don't quite get the the, the proximity thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, the thing with like the mask around your chin, like my favorite meme that's come out of quarantine is the one that's like wearing your mask like this. It's like wearing your underwear like this. And mm-hmm. it's just the guy with his dick out. Like yeah. I think about that every day. Yeah. They, they get a, uh, <laughs> some really good solid jokes about that. And, and they get some really good digs at um, uh, the police being defunded and ways that they would find to get all their tanks back. Uh, and, and it's another one that it's a, <laughs> it's a solid joke, but it also hurts. It, it hurts a little bit. The truth yeah. hurts. 
It does. She's evil. Yes. Yes. So uh, that's that's what I'm into. Um, so if you all, uh, Danny M in the chat is actually, oh, 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 let me bring that up. He says the South Park special was fun overall, as much humor as you can get out of this situation. I think that is fair. <laughs> I think that is fair. But let's dive into our main topic this week, which, as I said at the top, is about uh, teen heroes and let's start off with the big news which is um despite everything that's going on uh disney has been doing some major mcu casting with tatiana Maslany as she hulk and also newcomer dj M- she is shorter than i am well I, <laughs> before we get into the main thing do you think um because traditionally in the comics uh she hulk is always she hulk and that's what differentiates yeah. her from a banner who gets angry and changes however in the movies currently Banner is now in smart Hulk mode where he never changes. Is Tatiana Maslany just going to be CG the whole time? Are they going to give her more of a like, she's Jennifer Walters and she transforms? How do you think they're going to handle that? I think season one is definitely going to be the transformation because the MCU really just takes suggestions from the comics and then throws everything out the way. Like for whatever you think about the respective movies, the DCEU is much more bound to things that happen in the comics. And so I also think because Tatiana Maslany is a beautiful leading lady, mm-hmm. you don't want to put her, you don't either want to have like a Gina Carano as a stunt double, like yeah. going all the way back to the 60s and 70s, yeah. um, or you're not just going to mocap her the whole time. So I think, uh, assuming the show goes more than one season, they don't just go one season and then pop them straight into the movies. I think we might get to a point where once she does graduate to the film, she'll be all green. Mm-hmm. I just think it's funny because she's 5'4", and Jen <laughs> is obviously like six and a half feet yep. tall, which is, Apple boxes are a thing. CG is, I get it. But yeah. I just think it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. I, I am hoping, though, that like it re- one of the appeals for me of She-Hulk is the idea of somebody that looks like that just being a lawyer. Like, yes. like, and I kind of, yes. I kind of hope it's just a legal show <laughs> with, with a Hulk, with a Hulk as, as the lawyer. Like that's, that's really what I want. I guarantee you will get that iconic scene though, where she like throws her arm down in court and breaks the table in half. Love it. I would be like, a big it's gonna fan. Be, it's going to be a good time for sure. Uh, and I have hope, for, a lot of hope for these Disney plus shows after the trailer for WandaVision because of how different WandaVision looks than the movies. And so I, I feel like they have an opportunity here to do stuff that they would not have um kind of the leverage to do in the movies because obviously uh disney has this expectation that the movies need the movies need to make like a billion dollars each mm-hmm. um so there's less wiggle room to do something out of the box uh so i do hope like with as unique as wandavision looks and you know maybe with she hulk it can it can be less of a i mean she'll she'll punch somebody she, she'll of course she'll break the courtroom table she'll but she'll, there will be a bad guy that she'll have to punch but i hope the majority of it is her doing legal stuff and maybe introduce matt murdoch you're ever going to see matt murdoch I, I, just throwing it uh, out there i mean honestly like just give charlie cox whatever he wants to bring him back he's fabulous he's he so was really good, good. He, he honestly uh wouldn't mind you bringing back all of the netflix defenders except one we don't need to talk about which one i just exactly. one of them doesn't need to come back yeah. I'm sure he's doing other things and it's fine. One of them we can just recast the guy who played uh his enemy. I can't remember what that really good. His name is. Uh really good. And he also that actor played um uh the master in, in the most yes. recent uh Doctor Who. He's a, he's very talented. Um yep. or Louis Tan, who was very good in his one scene in Iron Fist. Uh very but true. Not, not that we're necessarily talking about Iron Fist. No, but no, just, no, no, no absolutely no, I just maybe. Maybe. But anyway, uh <laughs> a slightly less famous person uh, is Iman Vellani, who is who's now cast as Miss Marvel. Uh and and I think part of so many things to be excited about, but I think one of the things is once you get like casting, it's like, oh, this this is happening. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like an idea and a logo that they've said is happening. Like it's happening. We've got a person. Like it's happening. I don't know when they're going to start filming, but it's happening. Well, if I can, if I can be this person for a minute, uh, I know somebody who uh, wrote on Miss Marvel. Great. So I know that all of the scripts have been done since last year. Wild. So I, I, I also think so. Like, hooray! They cast a Canadian. I'm Canadian. Mm-hmm. That makes me super happy. Um, but I think they cast a Canadian because Toronto and Vancouver are open for shooting right now. Ooh. Uh, Shang Chi has been Shang Chi was shooting in Toronto, and I think they're either in Australia or New Zealand right now. Uh, CBC's Kim, Kim's Convenience is starting shooting their new season. So. Canada, much smaller population, a mm-hmm. uh, little more socialist bent in terms of government. So, like, the the COVID situation is a little more under control there. So, they've opened back up. So, I also think that's why they cast the Canadian so they can be based in either Toronto or Vancouver or yeah. somewhere around there. But that also gives me, like, an unreasonable amount of pride because I, I don't know uh, mm-hmm. this 18-year-old actress. But hooray for us. Hey, for, for, hooray for her. Uh, hooray, yeah. for, hooray for Canada. I'm sure there's a part of Canada they can make look like New Jersey. You know what I mean? I'm I mean, sure. they're they're pretty much across the river from each other, so it actually wouldn't be that hard. She's super cute though, and she looks like Kamala, so it's going to be great. I think. I, I think so too. Um, so, dumb question that might make me look dumb. Do we know who the showrunner of the show is? Because with all the announcements, like we got these people directing, and we got these people, and I'm like, is there a showrunner? Is there like a? I mean, like there literally has to be. Yeah, right. Like, but it, it, in the in the deadline report, um, I didn't that I was reading. I didn't see anything about it. Um, it says the writer. Whoop, ad. Uh, ad just came up. Um, uh, Bisha K. Ali uh, is is writing it, so maybe she's the showrunner. Anyway, um, what would you like to see in uh, a Miss Marvel show? I really hope that Miss Marvel does a good job at separating her from Captain Marvel. And I know that people might think that that's very strange, but even though she is called Miss Marvel, her power sets and her ethos are very separate from Carol. In fact, during Secret Wars 2, they kind of come to loggerheads because they don't agree with each other. They're sort of on different sides of that argument. And so I hope that in... because. Look, the Disney Plus series are audition pieces. They're characters that Marvel doesn't think can carry a movie but want to give a movie to. So they're giving them this lower bar to hit first. Like, let's just be completely honest. Mm -hmm. That's why we're getting a lot of diverse characters showing up here first. And that's fine. And everyone's being paid. And that's okay because Kamala will join the Avengers probably at the end of Phase 4 or the beginning of Phase 5, assuming that the series goes well. But I hope that they let her be someone else instead of just an accessory to Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel is also so new to the MCU and I think needs a little more like um, solidifying of what her identity is going to be on this new team. Mm -hmm. And then that aside i hope that they do a good job with her personal life and i don't even necessarily mean uh the religious aspects because she is marvel's first muslim superhero which is really amazing and that's a huge part of the story but a huge part of kamala's story in the comics is her interpersonal relationships with her friends and her family and the boy who she likes who turns out to be a supervillain, which Classic. is a real bummer when that happens. Yeah. It brings a whole new level to the men are trash narrative. <laughs> um, 
but it's it's very like Archie comics in that way. Cool. And so I, I really hope that we get a nice set of supporting cast members who are not supers in the television show. I, and also it's interesting that, you know, with these shows that even though these are new characters, we might be ending up spending more time with them just it, it's minutes on screen than we have with some of our, our bigger cast members because of the way TV shows work. And so having a good supporting cast and, and it's one of my kind of my regrets of you know, I kind of wish the Spider-Man movies could be Disney Plus shows. Obviously, for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons, the fact Sony owns it, uh, the fact Spider-Man movies make a ton of money, it, they, they wouldn't be. But the especially the MCU Spider-Man movies, I think, have done a, not the best job really exploring Spider-Man's supporting cast, which I think is one of the major, or at least one of the major appeals to me of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having being able to do that with a character like Kamala, I think, is great and also helps... It's one of the things that I think helped the obviously the Netflix shows could be very hit or miss, but it, when they did a good job of filling out the supporting cast, it made the whole show feel more alive and feel yeah, better. Dare- and- Daredevil being the easiest example of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and and so in one way, God bless those Netflix shows for coming out first because hopefully Disney was able to look at them and be like, oh, don't do these things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This stuff, let's not do that. Uh, maybe they don't need to be 13-hour episodes. Anyway, um, we've got some questions from the chat uh, kind of connecting to this. Uh, Finio wants to know, what are our hopes for the MCU Young Avengers? Should it be a Disney Plus series or a movie? Obviously, we're getting Miss Marvel and we're getting um, uh, the younger Hawkeye. Um, mm-hmm. Kate, uh, Kate, Kate Bishop. Bishop. Um, so I, they're definitely... And, and we got uh, Stature uh, set up in mm-hmm. Ant-Man movies. We're getting a Young Avengers. What's the best way for them to introduce that to audiences? Oh, so first of all, I I love the Young Avengers. I'm so passionate about them. I want to see them so bad. Like my only interest in WandaVision is if the twins show up, mm-hmm. when the twins show up, what they're like. Again, it's the whole thing going back to what I was talking about horror movies and witches. I'm like, uh, Wiccan is my, my dude. I have the one Wiccan action figure they ever made. Uh, I, for a long time, said that I really wanted to see Young Avengers in a big hero six style animated series with Kamala Khan added on. Obviously we're going to go straight to live action. Um, my hope is that either Hawkeye or Miss Marvel turns into like a secret backdoor pilot for that team yeah. and that we can meet some of the other characters. And the only additional character that I would say for me has to be on that team is Eli, who is Patriot, who's the mm-hmm. grandson of the original black captain America yeah. because he's so He's so amazing. He's got a great relationship with Kate that you could carry forward. Um, and then coming off of have introducing a black Captain America in the MCU, I think that would be super, super poetic. Yeah. Uh, but also they just cast Kang. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Young Avengers Children's Crusade, the best Young Avengers run, uh, there's a character named Iron Lad who is a uh, time-reversed younger version of Kang. Yeah. So... I don't know if he's going to, if they're going to maybe bring the Young Avengers over that way. But either way, I think the best way to do it is to start him off backdoor pilot in one of this. I almost said CBS shows. That's completely wrong. (laughs) One of the the Disney Plus shows and then integrate them into, I don't think they'll ever call them the Young Avengers. I just think they'll be another Avengers team. Yeah, maybe, or maybe, and it makes sense that they would, um, in some way, use that Avengers branding. I will say, I have mixed feelings about uh, the Jonathan Majors as Kang, and maybe it's just because he's doing such a good job being the leading man in Lovecraft Country to cast him as a yeah. vi- 
villain feels like not that he won't do great he'll do great but like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just watching lovecraft country i was like Jonathan majors would make a really really good clark kent slash superman like that's he's got yeah. those vibes and so it's like hang it's like sure uh you know what i mean and even if you do that iron lad it's like it's not he's not gonna be iron lad he's an adult he's a grown person you know what i mean that's true uh, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> i really also true. like this uh, suggestion of eli and, and you may bring a good point there's kind of no reason why they can't integrate some of those storylines into falcon and winter soldier uh mm-hmm. and now suddenly uh, the entire disney plus all those shows seem to be a constellation aligned to just give us the Young Avengers. Like everyone's kind of, other than like Moon Knight and She-Hulk, literally exists to give us the Young Avengers in one way or another. But, but She-Hulk has, particularly in the Marvel, I don't know if it was all new, all different Marvel now, but one of the incarnations of Marvel now, she has taken on a mentor position and she has mentored like sidekicks in the past. Cool. So you could bring her in in like what would traditionally be a Black Canary role to the Young Avengers to yes. maybe be like a trainer for them. Moon Knight, look, I've never read Moon Knight. I don't know from Moon Knight. I'm not, I think, an angry man, which is, I think, their target audience for Moon. And I say this as a Batman fan because <laughs> I get the allegory. But uh, yeah, Moon Knight, I think, is the outlier where you're like, how is maybe they will fight? I do not know. Yeah, I do not know. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the Moon Knight series, but I'm also very interested to see there's so many different interpretations of that character. And I, Do you have I, a casting hope? Uh, yeah, hold on. Let me see if I can bring it up. It's, um, uh, it, it's the actor that played the Invisible Man in the most recent Invisible Man. Man, and he was also in Haunting of, of Hill House. Oh, Hill House, yes. Um, and I am blanking on his name right now, but I'm going to see if I, I can keep bring seeing it up. people say Keanu Reeves after he had his meeting with Marvel, and I'm like, I just don't think you're going to get him for a TV show. No, I don't think you're going to get him for a TV show. I think he's, uh, no offense to the man, he, he's obviously a treasure. He's a little old uh, to be just starting out in a franchise like that. Uh, and also, it, uh, a big part of, of Moon Knight's. Uh, story is that he's Jewish and I think it, it was it'd be important to get an actor with some relationship to that community um, and so Oliver Jackson Cohen is who I would suggest uh, he played Luke Crane in um, Haunting of Hill House and he was in Invisible Man as the titular what a great name Man. yes uh, and I and I think I just think he's got the vibes. I think he's got the range. Um, I believe it's one of his parents is Jewish, and I uh, so I can't remember which one. So he's he's connected to that community. Um, and I think the tricky things are with Moon Knight. You would have to uh, navigate um, his faith, but you also mm-hmm. have to a- 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 uh, navigate his mental illness. And with yes, the, uh, and that can be delicate that can be very tricky especially you look at a show like legion that looked like it was really nailing it and then by the end kind of like completely went off the rails it's tough like it's a tough thing honestly um i this seems strange but like i think somebody that should collaborate on the show like if if you were taking a meeting with marvel somebody i think you would suggest would be um uh the creator behind crazy ex-girlfriend uh, because mm-hmm. that show did a very good job navigating. I didn't even watch the whole show. My wife was watching it. Every once in a while, I'd sit and watch an episode with her. But the way it yeah. navigated mental illness, I thought was really smart. Um, obviously, the creator was Jewish. You know what I mean? So it's like mm-hmm. you, you've got the thing. Like you, you know, the, <laughs> the trickiest parts of the character you got. Like angry guy that dresses up at night and beats beats up criminals. That's literally we every, know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> knows how to do that. That's that's basic. The tricky parts that that's you've got that down. So Although we'll in see. a lot of ways, I feel like Watchmen put that archetype to bed. I'm like, are we ever going to get better than that sixth episode? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know what, what Moon Knight is not? He's not a teenager and he's not a young No, hero. he's not. So for you, as a fan of Teen Titans, as a fan of Young Avengers, for you, mm-hmm. wh- why do young heroes matter as far as superhero storytelling goes? So the really easy answer to that, right, is that because representation matters Mm -hmm. and we are all looking to see ourselves reflected in some way. Like I started reading comics, uh, superhero comics, when Tim Drake was first introduced as Robin. Well, not first introduced because I was not alive in the 80s, but when he was Robin (laughs) during his tenure as Robin. And so he was a big connection point for me. And I was that kid in school where I was always told like, oh, you're the smart kid. So I was like, well, he's my guy and he gets Mm -hmm. to hang out with Batman. And like, how incredible is that? Even though I'm not a I'm not a man, but I am a white lady with brown hair. So like Tim is pretty much Mm -hmm. me as far as I was concerned. And I think teen heroes and child heroes narratively are so important because those are times in your life when you're very vulnerable and you don't feel like you have a lot of control. So to see a representation of yourself having that level of power over somebody who is objectively wrong, I think is really, really important. I think that's why the hobbits remain some of the greatest characters in literature. It's why we love Frodo and Bilbo because they're eternal children in a lot of ways. And then I also just think there's a, breadth of storytelling possibility that you don't have as much with older characters because children and teens especially say what they're thinking and what they're feeling because yeah. you don't really sorry if there's any children listening but you don't you don't really develop your sense of uh stakes or consequences yeah. <laughs> until the very end of your adolescence and your early adulthood and that is just fun storytelling like it makes way more sense to have kate and eli screaming at each other than it does to have, uh, I don't know, uh, hot, uh, uh, Clint and Mockingbird, even yeah. though in superheroes, someone's always going to be screaming. It just, mm-hmm. it, it works more for that ethos. Yeah. And especially in the modern world where it still blows my mind that like literacy and education are really hot button issues, but yeah. anything that is going to encourage young people, not that <laughs> DJ and I are not young, we're very young, we're 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything. Anything that encourages young people to read, I think, is an invaluable resource. And I'm so glad that my parents really didn't care what I read as long as I was reading. Like, I, we always had comics in our house, which is Very such cool. a blessing. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and it's also, I think, um, I think ideally when you come into the superhero narrative, you know, it's it's towards younger audience. I've, I've really been appreciating there seems to be a push recently, especially with like DC creating new imprints to kind of target younger readers, uh, because that's kind of where these stories are designed to be ingested and be become part of the community and, and you want to be um uh welcoming you know when when i was uh growing up comics were increasingly becoming targeted towards uh, uh people like me now angry people and yeah, angry yeah. white men in the 30s you know what i mean uh and, it, and it's hard to get into that um and so i like that there even though there's that's still very much the comic base or at least the perception of the comic base that uh, efforts are being made to target younger audiences and especially if there's some care put into like um i've mentioned on the show 
couple times um, and sam's a big fan of the show infinity train on hbo max Mm -hmm. and that show does a really good job of taking complex moral ideas and presenting them in a way that younger audiences can can get stuff out of that and especially if you're talking about genre or you're talking well, about young, i was gonna say but young people and, and even children like very young children are incredibly sophisticated like mm-hmm. look i get it they can't do taxes but i can't <laughs> do taxes so it's not that big a gap and 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 children and children's entertainment like children have tragedy in their lives and one of the reasons that i will always connect to like teen characters and young characters is like my father passed away when i was 16 mm-hmm. so there's a part of me that like that part of me is like frozen in time forever. And so even now I'm like, yes, give me a story with a 60. It's been a long time since I was 60, but (laughs) give me them as a hero overcoming adversity. Like for me, that just resonates so much because I think there's a lot more children who unfortunately have seen hardship and it's, so gratifying to see someone in a cape punch a version of that in the face you know yes. what i mean <laughs> yeah and i think there's there's just a sense of fun uh, and wonder in kids going on adventure like my wife and i we, we were rewatching community and we finished that so we started rewatching um, avatar the last airbender and yes uh, we are also i was going to talk about when you talked about one shots i was going to bring up uh uh is it the blue spirit yeah this is my favorite episode that and we, Zuc- we just watched it yesterday <laughs> love it love it it's that that and zuko alone are my favorite episodes of that show um, because Zuko is my favorite character, because one of the things I like about that show is that you've got Aang and Kantara and Sokka who are kind of targeted towards younger audiences. And if you happen to be like, like I was when my sister was watching, I was the older sibling. Zuko's journey is more complicated. And so it's, it's more mm-hmm. engaging if you're, if you're slightly older or a little bit older than, than your sibling, it, you kind of like his, the stuff he's going through is a little bit more, um, up your alley. But they do such good – it can be hard to like come up with an excuse to like, why are these teenagers going uh, – or preteens going across the planet on this journey? And, and that show does a really good job of like, <laughs> here they go. You know what I mean? In a way that like, yeah, I guess – I mean, what else are you going to do? Like there's not – there's literally like no other adults around. So like what, how else is it going to – how else is it going to play out? Uh, that actually plays into or, a question. Or like – I was going to say or navigating the issue of like why are these adults okay with fighting actual children? <laughs> Which is like something that we come up with against and it's like I don't know because they're the bad guys in the story logic. Just they're jerks. Let, let them be. Yeah, they're going to punch kids. <laughs> let them go. Well, this actually goes to a question we have from SDS2884. Why do adult heroes allow teens in the field since the dawn of comics? Uh, it's weird. Like what – Because – DC wanted to create a hero who their audience would see themselves reflected in. That is why Robin was created. Peter Parker was created because Robin was in college and Marvel thought, Ooh, they're leaving out younger people. Let's give him, let's give a teenager. Um, The bigger question I think to ask is like, why is anyone ever a superhero? That's a horrible thing to do. (laughs) What a bad idea. Yeah. I think that's one of the keys to Spider-Man is that, is that, idea of like what if the sidekick that everybody likes was just the hero like what if what if he didn't have to like ask batman which is so weird that that's kind of become subverted again in mcu spider-man movies that now he has iron man it's like well but the but the appeal was that he didn't have a dude like it was just him also my my spider-man hot take is that i love like married 40 year old with a child peter parker like peter b parker is is like the best Peter Parker in my mm-hmm. opinion. I love him so much. Well, and also, I mean, we talked a little bit about the last time we were on. I, I'm kind of a, a fan of when things move forward. Like I think Barry Allen should still be dead. Yep. I think Hal Jordan should still be dead or yes. evil. And so <laughs> yes. like the idea of like Peter Parker, listen, man, just let Peter Parker take a break. And like, he's, you know, he's married, he's got a kid <laughs> and miles can be his guy. Like they tried to do that with Ben Riley. 
who, because I grew up in the 90s, is, I, I, he's still got my favorite Spider-Man costume, the one with the big spider on and everything. Yep. Big fan. And, and and Mayday gets it later on, which is so cool. Yeah, like, let it happen. Let, you know what? Let Peter, Peter's been like coasting in this like mid-30s arena for a while. It's like, you got Miles, you know what I mean? Let let Peter take a break. You can't because he still sells a million I comics, also- but... I want Ben and Silk to date so bad because they made so much meat in the original Silk series about how attracted she was to Peter because they were bit by the same spider. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously, that's never going to happen. He's got Mary Jane. Uh, he was he was running Parker Industries at that point. And I was like, but Ben is right there mm-hmm. and you're doing nothing with him. Yep. And they're I just punched my mic. I'm so excited. They're literally the same. And I was like, just let them kiss. <laughs> just That's all I want. Kiss. Just let it happen. So Marvel it, can hire me at any time. <laughs> Marvel. Here's her number. We're putting it up on the screen. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, so uh, w- <laughs> when it came to making Jupiter Jet, was it a conscious decision to have her be a teen hero? Or, or was that just kind of where your interests drew you? Yeah, for me, it was so I think I told this story or maybe Jason has told this story on the show before, but I just had the idea for the name Jupiter Jet. And I said, I have an idea for a comic and it's Jupiter. like, that's a horrible way. Don't ever pitch your collaborator <laughs> that way. It worked out for us, but I don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, and she's very much inspired by Sailor Jupiter because I Great. love Sailor Moon. I came up in the 90s uh, and Sailor Jupiter now I can be like, oh, I had a huge crush on her. I loved her so much. She was always my favorite character. But I was like, I'm six. I just think she's great. What do I know? So even her color scheme is like inspired by Makoto's costume. Yeah. Um, so it was always going to be a younger character because I think when you meet the Senshi, they're like 14 and 15 years old. And then we landed on 16 uh, because we were gonna, we knew her dad was gonna be dead, and so that just like symbolized my journey as well. Yeah. And then with volume two, we've moved it forward a year, so every volume will be one year later in her life, and we'll literally be able to watch her grow up. Yeah. And I think something that we really tried to tackle here was what it's like to be on the precipice of adulthood, where. I know if you're young, you think you know everything. And it is so scary when you learn that that's not the case and that's never going to be the case. And that's really meaty in terms of like a character's internal struggle. And then on the outside, having like a Grace Jones looking bad guy for them to fight as a representation of that. Yeah, I I like that a lot because it it is a weird because I was never like a rebellious kid. You know, I was I was a dweeb like I didn't get in trouble, but I still even then. Um, uh, I had this sense of like, oh, I've got this. You know what I mean? Like uh, my parents, like, like yes. they're smart and they've given me this information, but they just don't see it the way I see it. And, and you're right. As you, as you, uh, for me, like going into college and then, uh, moving out to LA and then interact, you're like, oh, wow, I don't know anything. <laughs> Truly. And then you just slowly like if you had good parents, you slowly turn into them like Mm -hmm. slowly, but surely Uh, like uh, every year, the older I get, the more I turn into my mom. And like I I had great parents. I had a great childhood, but I could not wait to leave my home. I was like dying to go to university and like do my own laundry, which I can still barely manage. Mm -hmm. And that's like a weird thing to be like, now I'm going to put that in superheroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like, I like it. Uh, Emma Fife was on um, earlier, uh, uh, a couple months back, a few episodes back. Uh, and she was also talking about. It's okay. About, what is, what is time? What is time? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and she was talking about her love uh, for Sailor Moon. And it's cool to, um, as somebody that didn't grow up with Sailor Moon, because uh, shockingly, I wasn't the target demographic. Um, no. <laughs> the, the, the love that that show inspires and, and kind of like hoping that like, 
more hearing people, peers of mine um, that are now out creating content, being influenced by that, hoping that their stuff will create that same sense of love. Like, like it's like a seed being planted, right? That like Sailor yes. Moon planted a seed that now you all are planting and you get to make your own <laughs> Sailor Moons that will hopefully have the same effect on, on your audiences. I fully like, I have a shelf right over there that has like three Sailor Moon action figures on it. Love so it. Uh, my, my feeling with creating is always, um, James Corden said this. He goes, I just want to be one person's favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds so small fries, but like, it's very that like, if you can make, if you can be one person's favorite thing, that's better than all this. I mean, look, I hope Jupiter jet. If everyone who read it on read comics online bought the fucking book, <laughs> I could live in a mansion, mm-hmm. but like, you know, like that's obviously like, that's a part of it too. But uh, the best thing that it ever brought me is at, um, Phoenix comic-con a few years ago, we had a nine-year-old girl who cosplayed as Jupiter jet and came up to the table. And I was like, how do I not cry in front of this actual (laughs) child? Like that's the best part about creating. And man, if I could have like half of the imprint that Sailor Moon has, I will be a very lucky lady. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) They're still making that cartoon. (laughs) It's uh, that and Power Rangers and Ash Ketchum on Pokemon is still 10. I think even though the show has been on as long as almost I've been alive. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But He's the he's the Bart Simpson of that franchise for sure. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts to think about. Uh, so uh, going back to to uh, uh, young heroes, teen heroes. Jay Shark wants to know what is your favorite Teen Titans slash Titans lineup. You're obviously a big fan of the Teen Titans. I love the Teen so Titans. Easy. What's your, what's your favorite lineup? So my favorite lineup, most people would call it the OG, but it's not the OG. The OG team was in the 60s and it got canceled, but it's mm-hmm. uh, the Perez Wolfman, the new Teen Titans, mm-hmm. which is um, all the legacy characters plus the new generation that has gone on to inspire that cartoon. So it's Cyborg, Terra, Raven, Beast Boy. I think those are all the main additions. Oh, it's Starfire. Starfire, yeah. Uh, so that's my favorite. I have a real soft spot, though, for the Jeff Johns 2006, the first Tim Drake team with Tim, Cassie, Connor, Bart, the greatest flash who never really got to be a flash. Uh, and then like Vic and Gar as the older leaders, the elder statesmen of that team. I have a lot of fondness for it as well, but the, the new team Titans is my favorite. The first comic I ever bought was a new team Titans number 39. It's a white cover. It's a, uh, Dick and Wally and their costumes are hanging over the logo because they're too old to be on the Teen Titans right now, but they haven't like uh, graduated to their new identities. Mm-hmm. But just it means so much to me personally. And it is like the Claremont X-Men. It's the lineup that you see uh, reused most often. So there's for me, there's just got to be magic there. Yeah, it, it is the iconic take, uh, partially because of the cartoon, but also like you talked about the OG team in the 60s. That one was kind of lame. Like, that was that was uh, uh, Aqualad, Robin, Kid Flash yeah. and Wonder Girl. It's fine. And uh, they just they didn't quite know what they were doing with it or how to make it different than Justice League. Like, look, I've got the I've got the omnibus, but <laughs> it's not as magical. I, it's on my shelf. I read it every day, but we can all acknowledge <laughs> that it's not it's not as special. Um, uh, yeah. And I like the um, the way that it's speaking of the uh, you got the Claremont X-Men run one something I've been trying to collect because they don't reprint them is anytime Marvel and DC did a crossover um, yeah. <laughs> because of rights issues or whatever. Some uh, comic I loved collecting when I was younger was uh, uh, Marvel versus DC, mm-hmm. um, which is super 90s. Um, but I, so I, my, my dad actually uh, found in the shop where they live uh, the X-Men New Teen Titans crossover. Well, they were the two best-selling books for the entire 1980s, which I think, I don't know if a lot of newer comic readers know that. And I think that 
like baffles people sometimes, but it's that same balance, right? Like what we're talking about, like why teen heroes, why do they matter? And it's because they can do everything that the Justice League can do, but they're going to go home and fight about it. And the mm-hmm. part of you that likes the Real Housewives is very into that. Yes, <laughs> very into that. And, and it's and it's also worth mentioning that um, for a, a long time, the X-Men themselves were teen superheroes. They were supposed yes. to be younger. Um, and so now, now they've all kind of like, especially with the depiction of the movies and stuff like that, they're all kind of viewed as older but yeah and and now we now we got thruples going on it's wild it is weird and i gotta be honest with you the only the part that makes me uncomfortable about that is that jean gray's wearing her marvel girl outfit which makes her look like like a teen and i'm like that. it is her best outfit though like that costume is so good i don't know i do i like the 90s and the pouches give me give me them pouches sure. <laughs> give me all the all pouches unnecessary arm all the although i will say big fan of uh kid cable teen cable Oh yeah, yeah, big, sexy cable, sexy cable. Big fan <laughs> of that. I think I think that's fun, and I like I like that. Like Gene uh, and Scott are kind of dealing with their having uh, kids for multiple dimensions and Eight, stuff. Eight hundred children. <laughs> What's also funny about uh, those crossovers is every time the Marvel and DC do the crossovers, other than like uh, uh, JLA Avengers and uh, Marvel mm-hmm. versus DC, they treat it as if they've always existed in the same universe, which is like a weird creative take. Like we like we know they don't. <laughs> One of my favorite things, I can't remember which crossover it's in, but when they go to the DC Earth, Mm -hmm. it is physically bigger because all the fake cities are there with all the reels. And I'm like, that is... That's so that's like a level of thinking that I don't have. It's why I'm not Grant Morrison, but I'm like, that's so cool because of course it would be. Yes, of course there would be. Uh, we've got another question here from uh, Boiler Huff. Uh, as, uh, are you a fan of the Young Justice animated series? If so, who is your favorite member of the team? I am a, I would say I'm a reserved fan of uh, the Young Justice animated series. I don't love it as much as everyone else on the internet mm-hmm. seems to love it. Uh, my heart will always lie with the OG Teen Titans cartoon. Yes, very I good. think that that is just like, for me, for what I want, that's just perfection. And then the anime influences, obviously, I was talking about Sailor Moon, like really just touches my little 90s kid heart. Mm-hmm. Um, also, not all of the voice casts are my favorite in uh, Young Justice. I think there's been better versions in the past, just to be like real petty about it. I won't name names because that's rude and everyone is doing their best. Mm-hmm. But um, on Young Justice, I really enjoy Superboy and Connor's not a character that I really, really love, generally speaking, but I think the way they handle him is super funny. My favorite joke in all of Young Justice is in season two. He's in college. It's his birthday and he's hanging out with like whatever his human girlfriend. And she's like, happy 21st birthday, Connor. And he goes, thanks. I'm six. I mean, yeah, 21. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny, but I think that's super funny. And then I also really love um, Miss Martian. Obviously, they have a relationship, but... Uh, I think Miss Martian is a criminally underrated character and someday DC is going to hire me. I'm going to write an immigration allegory with her and it's going to be great. But I think her her as a character really bloomed and blossomed on that show. Yeah, I think that's as as you mentioned, like her being an underrated character. I think uh, I opportunity for fans to get to know her better was um, mm-hmm. was Young Justice. And it is interesting because, uh, you know, obviously they bring it up here because we're talking about teen heroes. But it, but that show is interesting because yeah. it is like the whole universe like it's it's we're watching the teens but it really is about the entire dc universe like it makes sense that that was one of the shows that that um the dc universe app wanted to launch with because it's like well it kind of covers kind of covers everything particularly this latest season where we have like the justice league is involved and there's the black ops team Mm -hmm. and can we really trust batman the answer is always no no especially (laughs) now 
He likes yeah. the cops. We can't trust them. Anyway, uh, we got a question here from uh, uh, Zroll13. Who's the best teen hero? If you dropped them all in an arena and made them fight, who stands victorious at the end? You all I know mean, they're going to be kissing. They, they, it's not going to be who's They're all going to be kissing by the end. So um, I, J- Jason Inman, my uh, husband, my collaborator, and I discuss very often how many characters of various universes have had sex with each other. <laughs> and if you were on a Teen Titans team, like everyone has been up in everyone's business and everyone is fluid. And so the fact that you brought that up is really funny yeah. to me. Um, the number one answer is Robin. Robin is the OG. Which one You're, for you? So I was like, your mileage on which Robin might vary. <laughs> But um, I would say Tim Drake, but I think Dick Grayson is probably the most well-rounded. Mm. Like, I think he's a better fighter than Tim is. So it's kind of like a Superman Batman. If Tim can get the drop on Dick, mm-hmm. he'll be fine. If they're both Robins, right? Because if yeah. Dick is Nightwing, then it, that's over. Yeah. He wins. But yeah, for best hero, like for me, it's always Robin. But like Tim Drake Robin is my favorite character. So I will always find a reason why it's him. But I mean, if you're going strength-wise, like it's one of the super boys, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a pure <laughs> pure physicality. No, I like you, I grew up um, with Tim Drake as Robin. And so he's always been my personal favorite. Because for me, not, not to be mean to other ones, like... Dick Grayson wasn't cool till he became Nightwing. And growing up, you know what I mean? Like it was just because he had the, especially, you know, uh, watching the 66 show, which I, which I love uh, nothing against that, but it's like, it was was my first Batman. Yeah. Yeah. But Robin's not cool. Like, you know, when he's wearing leggings. (laughs) Yeah. Like when they were trying to be like, when him and Cato got in a fight, they tried to make it look even. It's like, well, no, Cato, it's Bruce, Cato wins. Like, cause Robin's kind of lame. And then he became Nightwing and Nightwing is cool. Rob, Tim Drake was the first Robin that as Robin was cool like he was a cool robin his costume was cool the he fact got pants he got <laughs> pants the fact that he was a detective that he figured out who batman was he was cool yeah and the lonely place of dying the story where he's like 10 years old and just sort of reveals that and then steals the robin costume because he's like you need a helper like that's the most badass thing you can do <sighs> and me. then in the jeff johnstein titans run uh, Tim tells a lie and his and I think it's Cassie confronts him and she's like, how could you lie to us? And he's like, I lied to Batman. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's hardcore, man. Yeah, yeah he's he's cool. He's still like I, I do like Damien. But like if I had to if I had to pick, it's like uh, Tim Drake is is my guy. It's interesting. We, we were both talking about everybody making out in the most recent it just <laughs> dropped this week. Uh, uh, three Jokers, um, which I, I don't know how I, I won't know how I feel until it's done. Um, yeah. but as they've been exploring the way Joker's affected both Barbara and Jason, it's like, I could see these, I could see these two hooking up. And then very briefly, very briefly they do. Uh, and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm into it. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to consider that a pocket universe, I will accept it. Like I know in the video games, uh, I know Barbara and Tim have a relationship, which like really ekes me out because yeah. my head canon is Barbara is the oldest of the bat kids. She's like two or three years older than Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably makes her about a decade older mm-hmm. than Tim. And, and, but I can be like, that's the video game universe, right? Yeah. That's different. Uh, but I just want Barbara and Dick when they quit superheroing to like get married and have children. So <laughs> I, that's interesting. I'm not the biggest fan of, of Barbara and Dick ending up to, uh, together for me because for me they feel like that that quintessential high school relationship that really doesn't uh-huh. like hold up to adulthood you know what i mean they should find other people like people. when they when they grow up because there's there's almost too much in common does that make sense 
Yeah, I could see that. But they're then, much more like Archie and Betty than they are like Clark and Lois, for example. Yeah, and I, and I think just uh, not necessarily that it needs to be Starfire, but again, like liking Nightwing and the Titans, it's like, well, yeah, maybe you should end up with because Starfire is such a different personality, and, mm-hmm. and and I'm a big fan of like the opposites attract situation. Yeah. Also, hot take: most people should probably not marry the person that they dated in high school. <laughs> there, there, we can admit there are probably some exceptions, but very yeah. few, very yeah. few. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, so glad I did not. Yes, same, <laughs> same. Because uh, I'm a different person now, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, every you know what we because especially you talking about like from 15 to 25, ooh, yeah. a lot of changing going on. I mean, you're practically on different planets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially now, literally, literally now, the planet I live on now is very different and changing. Oh yeah, my the planet time. doesn't have TikTok on it. I'm yeah. going to be completely honest. I'm too old for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my planet does not have TikTok on it, uh, uh, and my planet is on fire where it wasn't when I was in uh, when I was 15. Yeah, uh, but you know, we live in Southern California, so like it's always on fire. It's always Lucky. on fire. <laughs> so before we wrap up, remind the kids at home uh, where they can find you, where they should check out Jupiter Jet, and what else you're working on that you should keep an eye out for. Heck yes, please tweet me cute pictures of Robin at Ashley V Robinson. The V is very important. Ashley Robinson is a WNBA player. I don't want to fight for SEO because she's six feet tall. Uh, that's also my Instagram, Ashley V Robinson. You can check out Geek History Lesson, where all fine podcasts are had. We have almost 350 episodes. DJ is going to be on not next week, but the week after again. Yeah. Uh, and go back and search for all of his episodes. You did one of our couple episodes with us. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was DC or Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of our DJ episodes are a ton of fun. And then Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio is full live into all bookstores and digital stores you can pre-order it right now it is a 17 year old girl with a jetpack think kim possible meets the rocketeer love it and uh if you like space you're gonna love it plus if nothing else this is the internet jupiter jet has a cute cat i know you're gonna want to check it out for that the current in-store date is october 28th so if you pre-order it you don't even have to worry if that changes because it'll come right to you I think and, I hit all the things you asked me. To yeah, about. and also uh, uh, definitely, definitely look into pre-ordering it because that is always helpful. Um, yes. And also, lets comic shops know that this is something people are interested in, um, and it will uh, maybe coax them to order a few extra copies. So uh, please do that. Please check all that out. And like we talked about earlier in the episode, you can always check out Jupiter Jet Volume One. So please yeah. do all those things. You can find me at DJ Talks Trash. You can follow the show every place that matters at Only Stupid Answers. But on Twitter, you're going to yank the vowels out of stupid uh every week we've got new reviews of the boys and lovecraft country on youtube.com slash only stupid answers so check out all that stuff if you want to support the show you can do that at patreon.com slash only stupid answers that's all the stuff for me ashley thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me even from not the same room someday and uh, i know fingers crossed 2021 <laughs> whenever that vaccine comes out <laughs> oh my god please and thank you please and thank you such such wild times also uh i shouldn't save this till the end of the episode go vote for the love of god if you live in yes, america please i'm not a, an american citizen i can't vote but if you don't know who i will tell you who to vote for it's really easy this year yeah vote for the one that's not trying to destroy a democracy i know that's a low bar but it's what we're trying to clear right now <laughs> it's what we're trying to clear right now it's it's like it's like um you know in the sh- in the in the comic or the movie where the hero's like about ready to plummet to their death and they get the bare that just the barest ledge or like yes. a branch that's literally all we're trying to do we're just trying to not 
splat on the pavement. So please, for the love of God, go fucking vote for Joe Biden. I, he, he wasn't my guy either, but please, let's save democracy. Anyway, but he's the guy. He so vote is for him. the guy. The system is the way it is, and maybe we can change it down the road if you fucking vote for Joe Biden. Anyway. That's all I got to say. We try not to be political on the show, but everything's political now. So Everything is. Everything's and political. And if you think otherwise, you're living under a rock. You're living under a rock. Anyway, Ashley, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you all next week with another new podcast. Bye.